0: Welcome down. Welcome down. Hi, I'm she Tim. should be here any minute. How is the weather coming? We Hi,
1: do. I'm Tim. Get yeah, I'm going
0: to
1: do the office is already
0: carbon neutral thing,
2: right? Yeah, all yours.
1: Keep you waiting. Mother Nature. Mother Nature, welcome to Apple. How was how the weather getting in? The weather was however I wanted it to be. Let's cut to the chase. In 2020, you promised to bring Apple's entire carbon footprint to zero by 2030. Henry David Thoreau over here said we have a profound opportunity to build a more sustainable future for the planet we share.
2: I think our 10 o'clock said the same thing.
1: They all do. All right. This is my third corporate responsibility gig today, so who wants to disappoint me first? Well, we've got some updates we're excited to share with you. Materials, status.
2: Is there a materials person here?
1: Yes. We are in the process of eliminating all plastic from our packaging by the end. Let me guess, 50 years from now when someone else is left holding the bag? By the end of next year, actually. When we're also currently using 100% recycled aluminum in the enclosures of all our MacBooks, Apple TVs, Apple Watch. What about iPod Shuffle? The, well, I don't I don't don't know. it's a joke. Don't you people make Ted Lasso? Oh, that's a different group. Um, We're also phasing
0: out leather in our iPhone cases.
1: What about Brando over there? They phasing you out too? Oh. What's next? Electricity. Electricity status.
0: Uh, 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 We're operating on 100% clean electricity.
1: What runs on 100% clean electricity?
0: Every Apple office, store, and data center runs on clean electricity thanks to you and your powerful wind and and sun. Mm.
1: And Apple offices are already carbon neutral. Yeah. This building is carbon neutral? Oh yeah, we we do it with a mix of clean energy and eliminating greenhouse emissions. It's kind of like if you were to- You're uh, seriously explaining carbon neutrality to mother nature? Right, no, I'm sorry. You wanna tell me how photosynthesis works too? Don't.
0: Um, Also, over 300 suppliers have committed
2: to using 100% clean, renewable electricity. What's next? Transportation. I'm proud to report that we're shipping more products by ocean rather than air, which reduces transportation emissions by 95%. 95%? Not too bad. I'm also
1: happy to report that we're investing in projects around the world that protect the Earth's soil, plants, and trees. (laughs) Everyone says they're planting trees. We've planted forests. Oh, hello. Where? Paraguay. Brazil. What, are you trying to save the tropical savanna? Yes. And we've also restored mangroves in Colombia. What else? Grasslands in Kenya. Why? Our aim is to permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere. What about your water usage? We've reduced it. By how much? Sixty-three billion gallons. Sixty-three million? Billion. As you can see, we've innovated and retooled almost every part of our process to reduce our impact on the planet. But there's still a lot more work to do. And there's something else we wanted to share with you. You're not trying to bribe Mother Nature with Apple swag. It's Apple's very first carbon neutral product. Hmm. I want to see you do more of this. You will. When? By 2030, all Apple devices will have a net zero climate impact. All of them? All of them. They better. They will. Okay, good. See you next year. (sighs) Don't disappoint your mother.
2: Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. Did you like Apple's cute little new commercial? That wasn't an Apple commercial. It was actually something else. I was going to bring it to you on video, Um but that would get us um, a false copyright strike on YouTube, so I'm going to have to perform it to you. Gen X, this will be familiar to you. Well, when I wake up in the afternoon, what you please is me to do. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. <laughs> <laughs> this is narcissistic bragging through ritual humiliation. This is pathetic, it is disgusting. It is the angry black bitch mommy putting all the little apple white people in their place. Oh yeah, I know, I see. I see there are black people around the table too. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a rich, multi-colored, faceted, ethno tapestry. There's one of everybody at the table. But the real point of this, <laughs> it, it's so perverse. Tim Cook, the Apple CEO you see in there, that guy who looks like a chicken. You pansy cuckold, Tim. You are pathetic. Groveling. Groveling for Mother Nature. Being real small. Yeah. This is bragging. Bragging through humiliation ritual. Look how far I can lower myself for the powerful, fat, black woman. The angry black woman she is nature you see black women are nature and they're also the angry narcissistic mother and they're also the angry black woman that we're supposed to pretend is just something that white people made up there's no there's no actual character affect we can identify called angry black women except of course there is because the only black women we tend to see featured and elevated these days is the angry black woman who speaks to this entire Round table of alleged Apple employees. I don't know how many of them are actors and how many of them are actual staff. Just like a narcissistic, unsatisfiable mother. This is bitchcraft. And it is pathetic. This is my third corporate gig of the day. Who's going to disappoint me first? Hello, mother. Hi, mommy. It's very familiar to me. Almost makes me feel warm. Then she turns to the other white guy. What about Brando over there? Phasing you out, too? Oh, that's real funny. Yes, as a matter of fact, Miss Octavia Spencer, yes, they are going to phase Brando out. Yes, we are phasing out the white men. You know it. That's why you took the part. You don't need the work. That's why you took the part. (laughs) Did you notice the rainbow? Coming in, in the opening shots, when Mother Nature is flitting as the wind across the apple campus with the rainbow. Aren't they good? Aren't they wholesome? Aren't they inclusive? (laughs) We've planted forests. This is our first carbon neutral product. You know what I would have said if somebody came into that? Into my room like that? Bitch, get out of my boardroom. (laughs) But they love it. They love it. They wanna lick her high heels. God, it's disgusting. Yes, and I'm not making it up. It is psychosexual. This is all psychosexual drama. Absolutely. And it's cluster V to the core. (laughs) Who's gonna disappoint me first? So tense. That's enough of that. It's disgusting. Let's move on. All right. We know, those of us of a certain age, that President Ronald Reagan, toward the end of his presidential tenure in the 1980s, began to suffer from Alzheimer's disease. And I remember when I was uh, a leftist Democrat, um, and we'd like to talk about the fact that, you know, only the Republicans could be so craven Um, so manipulative, so, so morally low, as to put a demented, literally Alzheimer's demented president in there and expect us to tolerate it. Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember the Reagan presidency. I'm old enough to remember watching Reagan on the news. And I'm old enough to remember that Ronald Reagan never presented in public as confused as Joe Biden. It's not even close. He was recently, that is Joe Biden, was recently in Vietnam as part of, I think it was part of the G twenty summit tour. Um, th- this is the man who leads the United States. He's the commander in chief. He's supposed to be according I've never liked this phrase. Uh, um, I think it I frankly I think it is Uh, provocatively narcissistic on the part of the United States, but we call him the leader of the free world. We never, of course, stop to think about how that comes off to people who are not Americans, do we? This is what we showed the free world. This is a compilation from uh, Australia's The Age. They pulled out the lowlights from Joe Biden's address in Hanoi, Vietnam.
0: It is evening, isn't it? Our thoughts and prayers with the people of Morocco and my friend King Mohammed the, the Sixth, I should say, and his administ- my administration, including Secretary of State Blinken. As a G20, we at the G20, there was sufficient agreement in the room on the need for just, for a just and lasting peace. Uh, and I hope that uh, — I think that uh, Prime Minister she I mean, she has some uh, — uh, some difficulties right now. Um, okay, I'm gonna increase the third world, the third world, the the uh, global south capacity to grow. If everybody in the world had a job they got up in the morning and wanted to go to, and thought they and they could put three squares on the table for their family, no matter where they live, the whole world would be better off. Uh, sorry, if if they're in fact able to generate significant c- capacity to absorb. Uh, to prevent carbon from being released in the air? That, that uh, um, uh, pipeline, uh, that uh, railroad we're talking about going across from, the middle, from India throughout the Middle East. So I have, not, I have not given up at all on the notion that we're going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, how can I say it? Uh, I, I think, for example, the consequence of what we've done we, we, have the mo- we, have the most, we have the strongest economy in the world today. Right now, today, the United States of America has the strongest economy in the world, uh, in the world. And there's a, my, my brother loves having, there's famous lines from movies that he always quotes. You know, and one of them is, there's, there's a movie about John Wayne, he's an Indian scout. And they're trying to get the, I think it was Apache, one of the great tribes. And the Indian scout, the Indian looks at John Wayne and points to the Union, so says, he's a lion, dog-faced pony soldier. I see. I'm just following my orders here. Uh, I met with his number two person here in, in uh, excuse me, in uh, um, India uh, today, Uh, I don't, uh, anyway, I I just think that there are other things on leaders' minds and they respond to what's needed at the time, and look, nobody likes having, but I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed.
2: Da 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 Get the hook, pull him off the stage, <laughs> and they did. Though uh, that that's not reflected in this video, but at the end there, Corinne uh, Jean Pierre uh, literally played him off the stage with jazz music. She interrupted him mid alleged sentence. Uh, ah, the press conference is over. Good night, good night. Doodly do do, 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 lounge music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joe, you lying, dog faced pony soldier. That line isn't real. You've heard him say it over and over and over again. He claims there's some movie starring John Wayne, where somebody calls John Wayne or John Wayne calls somebody a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Film scholars, people in the media, ordinary people have been scouring the back catalog of 20th century Westerns. Nobody can find that quote or anything even similar to it in any John Wayne movie or as yet any Western known. Um, You are looking at a man who's lost his mind. This is full dementia. It's not as bad as it could be. He will end up drooling um, and comatose. That's, that's where this ends, right? We know that. Some of us have had family members have ended up that way. He's well on his way, uh, but he's in full dementia. He does not know where he is. He doesn't know who he's talking to. He can't remember who the staff are for the world leaders that he's talking to. This is what we're sending out around the world. This scares the living shit out of me for national security reasons, simply because of the optics. If you were... An adversarial nation, an enemy nation to the United States, what would you think looking at this right now? I'll tell you what I would think. Now is exactly the time to strike. They are weak. They know they're weak, but they can't get out of it. Their pride stops them from being strong. They won't go back on it. We can get them now. We can put them on their knees. And you know what? They would be right. Now is is the right time. This is what we are doing to ourselves as a nation. And something else about Joe Biden? Aside from all the slurring of the words, he can't really say consonants. Um, I wouldn't be making fun of this if it were any ordinary person. I'd have sympathy, but I don't. Not for him. Not for the job responsibility he's supposed to have. All of the head sniffing the touching up on little girls, the touching up on women, all that stuff we're seeing in public that everybody pretends we can't see. Dementia can do a couple of different things to somebody. It can make somebody, it can really change their personality or it can remove their filter. Dementia has removed Joe Biden's filter. This is the man he has always been his entire life. He is a malignant narcissist. He is a pervert. I absolutely believe it. And now we're seeing the real him. We're coming up in the end of this first segment, but I would love to have your support. Kevin and I would love to have your support. There's a couple of different ways to do it. Probably the best way and the way I like best, uh, join us through our Substack. That's, that's our best um, portal in right now, DisaffectedPod.substack. Com. Please subscribe. Please become a paying subscriber. There's another option if you don't like Substack, but there's lots to love about Substack. You can get lots of content on there. I'm going to read you some later in the show. Um, you can also visit subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Or if you want to just do a one-off, you don't want to do a monthly payment, donations are gratefully accepted through PayPal. Send it to the email address um, us at disaffected.fm. And folks... I'm asking you really, if you have enjoyed this show, if you get value out of this show, I'm asking you directly, will you please pay for it? I think that we give you something that you don't find anywhere else, and I hope that we at least make it look like we have a bigger budget than we do. We do need your help. We are a small media operation. Do you know that Kevin and I have not taken a single paycheck the entire time we've done this show? The show has not paid my bills or Kevin's once. The modest income that we're making is going into... Uh, expanding the show and making it better for you. We're not at the point where where this makes us any money. It's taking money from us. So will you help? Thanks very much. We'll see you on the other side. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. Are you new to Disaffected, or have you only watched a few uh, episodes? We've got a standalone five-minute segment I want to point you to that will tell you why we do what we do on the show and kind of what makes us different from other, well, frankly, conservative commentary shows. Go to our YouTube channel and look for this segment titled The Disaffected Hypothesis. That's just five minutes of me explaining why we talk about Things, As I say through a psychological lens, we talk a lot about what are called cluster B personality disorder traits, narcissism, histrionic behavior, unstable uh, emotions and and sociopathic disregard. And we make the connection between that kind of psychology, which animates domestic abuse in the home. And our thesis is that what used to be domestic abuse is now considered new normal in public. So, again, go to our YouTube channel. It's about three weeks ago uh, from the date of this show. Uh, called The Disaffected Hypothesis. Let's talk about the lie that is Bidenomics. I, 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 I tried to find a way not to say that word because it, it irritates me just having to say it. It's so bloody stupid. Bidenomics. Bidenomics has got everything booming. Bidenomics is a lie. There's no such thing as Bidenomics. It's just um, this senile, demented man Um, and his jester's court careening from one bad decision to another. Um, Joe Biden claims that unemployment is at historic lows, that the economy is booming. And it's just so weird because, gosh, that doesn't, it doesn't jibe with what I can see with my eyes and what millions of Americans can see. And it doesn't jibe with, um, it doesn't jibe with intuition, does it? Right? We all kind of know that that isn't true right intuition isn't infallible but we've all been trained not to believe our own intuition we're told look for a study ask the experts look at the science no we don't need the science to know that our economy is not booming this comes from the daily signal let me read you a little bit from this article and it's about why the claimed unemployment rate of 3.8 percent is a lie they don't say it's a lie they say it's misleading i'm telling you it's a lie because it is Quote, the labor market is nowhere near as strong as it appears. If that sounds surprising, it's because the absence of millions of Americans from the workforce artificially lowers the unemployment rate. Yes, yes it does. This is what I've been talking about when I say, why is it that every single store I go to, every single furniture store, every single roofing contractor, every single floor installer, every business across every sector I interact with when I have this conversation says we have no staff, we cannot get staff, we cannot offer a salary high enough for people to even put an application in. So, no, the labor market is not strong. Um, Back to the article from the Daily Signal. Accounting for the missing workers reveals an unemployment rate of over 6%, not the official 3.8%. Now, how can that be? Well, it's how they calculate the numbers. Quote, before the government imposed lockdowns, the number not in the labor force was about 95 million people and falling. Since June of 2020, however, the level has been stuck around 100 million. That means millions of Americans left the labor market and still haven't come back, which explains why the ratio of employment to the population also shows a gap of 4.5 million relative to this trend. These millions of missing workers skew many of the statistics used to gauge the health of the labor market. Imagine a labor force of 100 people where 10 are unemployed giving an unemployment rate of 10 percent. If one of those unemployed persons leaves the labor force the unemployment rate drops to 9.1 percent. No jobs were created But the unemployment rate went down. That's exactly what's happening in the real economy. Accounting for the millions of people currently excluded from the labor market, and by excluded, they also mean voluntarily not participating, reveals an unemployment rate of between 6.3% and 6.8%, much higher than the official 3.8%, that rate that they're reporting that they expect us to believe. In news of Tennessee... We've got a female teacher charged with rape. No, no, not just seduction, not just inappropriate behavior, not just taking pictures of her tits and sending them to her students, because we got plenty of that, too. Nope. We've got full-on rape, the accusation. Do we have a picture? Yeah, here we go. This is Alyssa McCommon. Um, I'm going to read to you a little bit from news coverage. Tennessee teacher has been arrested and charged with the rape of a 12-year-old boy. Alyssa McCommon, a 38-year-old elementary school teacher and mother of two, was taken away from her home in handcuffs on Friday, September 6, after an investigation into multiple allegations of sexual misconduct. She's accused of raping the boy, one of her former students, at her home in 2021. Let me remind you, this woman is also a mother of two. Ah, we got here. Ah, yes. McCommon was first suspended from her fourth grade teaching role at Charger Academy on August 24th, the day that a parent told the school administration about the alleged rape. During the consequent investigation, Covington police said several children came forward to complain of inappropriate behavior from McComin. She is alleged to have spoken to underage boys on social media and played video games with them before escalating to sending lewd photographs of herself and even asking to have sex with them. Donna Turner, Covington Police Chief, told reporters that the police department is working closely with the Tipton County Sheriff's Office on the ongoing investigation into McComin's activities. Turner added that the authorities are also investigating the possibility of making arrests of other adults who may have been aware of the abuse or even helped to facilitate it. <laughs> Some parents have questioned the school administration's handling of the case, expressing dismay that they were only made aware of the investigation into their children's teacher by way of a Facebook post. Two weeks after the allegations first surfaced, one mother told reporters that her son's class had been presented with a substitute teacher and told that McCommon was not working due to illness. The mother added that she hoped the allegations would be taken seriously and not, quote, swept under the rug. Miss McCommon has admitted to making inappropriate contact with boys online, but is denied raping the 12-year-old boy. Her lawyer has made a statement asking people to allow the justice system to carry out its task, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. She's being held on a $25,000 bond and is due to appear in court on October 13th. And here's the here are the questions that come to mind about this. We we know, or 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 is it that we No. We know that sex crimes are a largely male kind of crime. It's true that men are the class overwhelmingly who rape, not exclusively, but it is an overwhelmingly male form of violence. We know that women and children are vulnerable to male sexual predation. We also know, although we're not allowed to talk about it because it's not as bad when it comes to a man, we also know that men are vulnerable to other male sexual predation. I was raped at 17, for example, but it wasn't as bad for me because I'm a man, you see. Yes, I'm being heavily sarcastic. No, people don't actually say that out loud. Yes, that's exactly what they mean, particularly feminists, and you know that it is. But I've been wondering, Do we actually know these things? How do we know them? Well, we know them because statistics are presented to us. But during the course of two and a half years of making this show, I have seen in my research, and I presented to you, countless examples of female predation, not just sexual, but including sexual predation. Countless examples of perverse and wicked women who literally, not figuratively, literally, castrate their sons, cut their daughters' breasts off, and call it love. You know that there are pedophiles, male, classic male pedophiles, who will actually tell you that what they're doing with children is loving them. What is the difference? Hmm. Do we know this? Do we know that only a tiny, tiny fraction of women ever sexually misbehave toward minors. I'm not sure that we do know that. I'm not not sure it's true, but I'm no longer certain it isn't true. Why is it? Why is it that women are overwhelmingly, and when I say overwhelmingly, I would say about 95 to 98% of cases of so-called loving trans parents who are transitioning their children are mother-driven. It's that high. Yes, we've seen some fathers, but they are the exceptions that prove the rule. The father's sin in these things is being a weak, ineffectual panty waste and a, a, a horrific excuse, moral excuse, for a father who lets his wife do this to her children. But it is the woman who is the active mutilator and the active psychological liar in most of these cases. And most of these cases, I believe, are actually classic Munchausen syndrome by proxy. It's just the same thing as pouring Lysol into your kid's vegetable soup and poisoning or that way to get attention. And when I saw this, this recent story about Ms. McCommon, it made me think back to the 1990s to somebody named Mary Kay Letourneau. Do you remember her? Mary, here she is um, with her eventual husband. And Mary Kay Letourneau was a school teacher who had an affair beginning in sixth grade, if I recall correctly, um, with this young boy who was her student. They were having sex, full-on sex. She got caught. She went to jail. She was all... Over the news, this was, this was a scandal to bring the house down because we'd never heard of this before. Most of us had never ever heard of an allegation of a woman like this, an older woman doing this to a 12-year-old boy. Women don't do that. Women are the loving sex, right? Well, not Mary Kay Letourneau, but you know what? Mary Kay Letourneau was all over the news, and it was a big scandal because it was so rare. This Alyssa McCommon, is it Alyssa or Melissa? Miss McCommon, it's not all over the news. It's not on every nightly talk show right now because it's not a scandal anymore, is it? Why isn't it a scandal? Because it's more common now, isn't it? Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more about how women are inherently trustworthy with children. Tell me. Mm -hmm. News of Ottawa. I've got this new fancy little uh, button here that I'm fussing with. If you see me looking down at this thing, it's got a little timer and everything to keep me from yammering on too long. (laughs) Uh, How do I even describe this story? All right. This is how. Viewers, this is going to be an easy one. This is real easy. I will be very disappointed if you flunk this test. Pop quiz. I want you to take a look at the picture I'm about to put up on the screen. Tell me which one of these is likely to be cluster B do 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 do, do, do. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so what you're seeing, um, for those of you uh, who, who can't see, it's a side-by-side picture. Um, there's a smiling, normal, middle-aged black woman on the left-hand side, and on the right-hand side, there's a white woman with a huge surgical mask on her face um, with uh, a hugely furrowed brow and angry... Eyes. If 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 eyes had lasers, hers would be drilling a hole into you. It's all in the eyes. It's in the face. Um, Kevin, put up put up the next um, the next picture. Thank you. This is Neely N I L I Neely Kaplan Mirth. She is a physician, and when I went looking for photographs of her, every single photograph has this expression this furrowed brow, these wide open manic eyes with anger underneath. Every single one. Next picture, please, Kevin. Look at her in her, look at her in her office. She looks like freaking Igor from young Frankenstein her eyes are about to pop out of her head this is this woman chooses these pic she sits for these pictures and then she chooses them to present herself that is the face of a crazy person I'm not making a joke and I don't mean crazy colloquially my I can't prove anything it's my opinion and it's my speculation but I I bet my last paycheck on it this woman is severely personality disordered. she's frightening and she is dangerous her her black t-shirt says I'm speaking. Oh, are you? Are you now, bitch? Well, let's hear what you have to say. Can we roll that? Uh, no, actually, let me let me set it up for people. What you're going to hear is uh, a bit of video. It's about 50 seconds, and there is one point where it goes silent. It appears that the chair, this is the school board meeting in, in Ottawa, Canada, okay? It appears that the chair cut this woman off, Neely Kaplan-Mirth, uh, so that's why it's going to go silent for a little while. Um, What's going on here is Neely Kaplan-Mirth, our crazy, bug-eyed physician, is a a maskitarian and a COVIDian. Um, And she had a resolution before the school board. She wanted to mandate masks again this fall her colleague on the board her peer a woman named donna dixon who's the black woman we showed you uh in the side-by-side picture voted against it she said no i'm not going to vote to mask people again there's no evidence supporting this it's not okay to do this neely kaplan mirth went ballistic on her uh let's let's roll that please kevin she was attacked in a meeting a black woman by a white woman. There are other times when members sorry, of Sorry, I'm going to object. And, and I'm a Jewish woman. Board. Yeah, here's where the audio cuts out, so just bear with us. She's got a mask on, by the way. Everyone. This is not a character assassination, and that was enough. You're inappropriate. You have been out to get from day one Everyone, this meeting is going on recess. Okay. Um, This is a smorgasbord. There's so much wrong with this. We don't have time to go through all of it. But the woman you heard speaking, you know, a black woman was attacked. This is not about racism. Miss um, Kaplan Mirth did not attack Donna Dixon because... She was black. She attacked her because she said no to the mask mandates. But this is the this is the snake eating its tail. These people all sitting around here—they're all woke. They're all progressives. They can't think outside their paradigm. Now they're going after each other. She's this this woman is trying to make it into a racism thing. That you know you were mean to a black lady. That's not the freaking problem. The problem is that she attacked somebody who didn't want to go along with her. Uh, authoritarian nonsense. And then we get to the end of the video. Did you hear, oh, did you hear, first of all, did you hear, um, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to call her Karen because she is such a Karen, not a Barbara. I'm a Jewish woman, she says. She pulls that out. Every time someone criticizes her, she, uh, she claims anti-Semitism. I don't have time. I pulled so much stuff here. But she's written, uh, she's written opinion pieces for Canadian News where she talks about she can't go outside. She's being stalked. People are threatening her. Then she, she goes on Twitter and she puts up, uh, you know, uh, these alleged threats where someone says, don't show up at this meeting or you're going to be killed, you commie kike. I don't believe her that didn't happen. Those threats aren't real. I believe she wrote them herself. I don't believe a single word out of her mouth and none of you should believe her either. This is absolutely amazing. But the, the icing on the cake at the end of this is the chair woman who said, everyone, we're going on recess. What did that sound like to you? If you're just out there listening, what did that sound like? It sounded like a man, didn't it? You know why? Because it is a man. Lyra Evans, Miss Lyra Evans, is a troon, a trans woman, that is, a man. So we've got the trans woman. We've got the insane cluster B doctor. We've got the sensible uh, Donna Dixon, who won't go along with that, but who is now uh, only getting the care for being attacked by her nemesis because she's black. It, you know, it would be okay if she were attacked if she were white, of course. And and we top it off with, with, with with the chair lady, who is actually a man. And I cannot believe this is the real world, but this is the real world. This is the real world. This is where we are. Yeah, I know. A couple of years ago, some of you. Maybe some of you who started out with the show two and a half years ago thought I went too far, didn't you? I was too cynical. How do you feel now? (laughs) All right. What do we have next here? Ah, yes. We have a break next. Let's go to the break. So, before we do, I would like to remind you that if you need somebody sensible to talk to who will tell it to you straight if you've got a family problem, if you've got a career problem, if you are thinking about psychological abuse dynamics that you're experiencing at work with your parents, with your children, I offer one-hour consulting sessions. All you need to do is visit joshuaslocum.net, take a look at what I offer. Um, I have talked to a number of clients since I launched this service more than a year ago. I've talked to people about uh, making choices about whether to continue in their job if their workplace goes woke and what other kinds of jobs they might be able to do. I've talked to people who are trying to figure out whether to maintain contact with abusive parents and siblings. I've talked to people, sadly, um, um, who have children who have been sucked into the gender cult and don't know what to do. If you want somebody who has been through this personally, has been through the Cluster B ringer, who will tell you what it was like, be a sounding board for you and say, that sounds sensible or that sounds like it's only going to bring you more trouble. I'm that guy. You can talk to me. Visit joshuaslocum.net and we'll see you after the break. can't get enough of our love baby that's because you're not subscribed move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode we put out audio only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform so make sure you subscribe today looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back. (laughs) I'll give you the quote first. This is from the Daily Mail. Furious conservatives have begun boycotting Dove after the soap brand hired a Black Lives Matter activist notorious for destroying a white student's life over a remark she later admitted she may have misheard. And who are we talking about? We are talking about... (laughs) Dove Soap's new Fat Fluencer. Fat Influencer, get it? Fat Fluencer. <laughs> Here she is. Isn't she lovely? Zayana Bryant. I probably mispronounced that and I do not care. Look at her. Um, audio only audience. This is a young black woman. She looks like she's, I think she's about 22 years old. Um, uh, standing for some kind of, it looks like she's at some kind of red carpet-ish event. Uh, in couture. This is a woman who is actually fatter than Lizzo. That is how big she is. If she weighed a few pounds more, she would not be able to walk. Okay. We're not talking about a curvy woman here. We're talking about a woman dangerously obese, as in she's probably not going to make it to 35. I'm not making fun of her for that. I'm saying she is going to die. There is no universe in which that is healthy. She is not going to survive to middle age. But this is their fat acceptance, Ambassador, and people are not having it. wonder what took them so goddamn long to wake up. Let's go to the story from the Daily Mail. Uh, Bryant, that is the model, claimed... Um, here's the thing. People, women are chucking their Dove soap into the trash in protest over this because they're they're sick of it. They are sick to death of having this shit shoved in their goddamn faces every day. Just as as much as I'm sick of it, um, it's bad enough that they're trying to make us all believe, and they're trying to make us buy products that will fund more of this crap. Make us all believe that there's, you know, this is about fat acceptance and body positivity and we need to stop abusing people by telling them to lose weight. No, you know what is abusing people? And I say this is a guy who carries 30 extra pounds. Do you think I don't know that? I do know that. I'm not hiding that, right? But I'm carrying 30 extra pounds, not 200 extra pounds. That's the kind of fat we have today. Go, you don't believe me? Go, go online. Look up some circus promotions from the late 19th century to early 20th, Ringling Brothers or any of them. Look up, there was always uh, in the sideshow, there was always the fat man or the fat lady. I want you to go and take a look at them. You know what you'll find? The, the fat lady or the fat man who was so enormously ridiculously fat that he was featured in a sh- si- uh, sideshow is significantly thinner than the fat people that we are putting on the covers of magazines today that is how far this has gone those people at the turn of the century had never seen somebody this big never almost no one had ever seen anyone that big what's abusive is telling these people that this is acceptable Right, We're not responsible for this Zion O'Brien. I don't give a shit about her feelings. I'm not her mother. I'm not her doctor. I don't owe her a thing, and you don't owe her a thing either. But if, if we have a social compact, if you subscribe to that, if you believe we have any obligation at all to strangers or to, and I say this advisedly, very advisedly, the common good, I know, it's, it's sticky. The abusive thing is encouraging this. You could say it was abusive not to reach out and say, you need help and I want to help you. I can't tell, I'm not going to accept you this way because I don't want you to die. That's actually loving, not abusive, loving, reversal, cluster B reversal. But the worst part about this, this woman, I'll, I'll just quote to you from the Daily Mail, Bryant, the model, claimed that she had overheard a white student named Morgan Bettinger, threaten Black Lives Matter protesters in Charlottesville, Virginia, in July 2020. But Bryant later admitted she may have misheard after gleefully watching and joining in as Bettinger was canceled and her life was destroyed. Next quote. Bettinger was subjected to a torrent of abuse and a campaign to remove her from the University of Virginia. Staff and students ganged up against her and scuppered her future prospects. And for that, this witch... Gets a contract with Dove Soap. Black is beautiful, right? I'm so sick of this. So goddamn sick of this. Tell you what else I'm sick of. <laughs> you ready? I'm sick of being Sisyphus. And I need to stop being Sisyphus. I need to stop pushing rocks uphill that I know are only going to roll back down. And I have a real problem with this. After last week's show, when I talked very specifically and go back if you uh, if you haven't seen it or if you'd like to confirm that I'm telling you the truth this week, please go back and watch last week's show. I gave a very specific, detailed, crystal clear definition of feminism and why I object to it. I was not vague. I did not use broad generalizations. I got pinpoint specific. And for my trouble, uh, the majority of people. I must I must say this to keep it in proportion. Viewers, the vast majority of you are interested, th- who communicate with us, right? Like hundreds of you leave comments on YouTube. Um, I don't know how many of you, it's probably a similar, a similar amount, uh, leave comments or engage with me and talk back and forth in the comments on our Substack. The overwhelming majority of people who watch the show and interact with it are interesting, thoughtful people. Yes, most of you agree broadly and in the main with what I say on this show and what Kevin and I are trying to bring out on the show. But we don't all agree on everything, and we can actually have reasonable disagreements with each other and bat it back and forth. And I appreciate you. I really do. We have a great audience. I get much less stick. Maybe if we get bigger, I'll get a lot of stick, but I get much less than than the bigger names do. I mean, we have a really high quality audience, but the problem is, and this is me. It's it's part of it's part of my wiring and part of my experiences made my personality. I have a laser focus on the negative. Um, it's very easy to distract me with negativity, um, and I blow it out of proportion for myself emotionally. So I wrote this on Substack, and I'm just going to read it to you. I need to stop being Sisyphus, the, gentlemen. This is an essay that's aimed at you as men, okay? Gay men, straight men, I don't care who you are, all men. Gentlemen, I have a bad case of repetition compulsion, and I hope you can avoid being like me. My problem is the idea that there is a way to be a sufficiently decent man that even feminists will give a man credit, or at least not reflexively see him as simultaneously inferior and also the most powerful destructive force on earth. But there is not. Feminists and the women who follow them cannot accept the concept of the decent man, no matter what they claim to you, men. Underneath, they really do think that all men are not fully morally human. They really do believe that women are the sex born without sin. You cannot satisfy them. They don't respect you because you're a man, because you're a man. They will not ever accord you the level of human regard and respect that they insist that you give to them and that they will not recognize when you do in fact, give it to them. They're under an enchantment spell and their philosophy is pure emotion. It's not a philosophy. It's an emotion. Those emotions specifically are envy and resentment. They do not respond to facts, feminists. It doesn't matter how many times you show them that there's no actual wage gap driven by something called misogyny. For example, it doesn't matter how good your data is, or how many replicated instances of that same data you can cite, and there are many replicated instances showing that the wage gap is a myth, it does not matter. If it goes against their emotional desire, they will deny that they can see the sun in the sky. They will, and they do. That emotion is... I like being seen as a victim of men because it gives me power and I'm not giving that up. No, they don't say that to themselves consciously. Yeah, they're getting the few of them who are about to leave comments. I know you're getting angry right now because I see you. I see the kind of woman you are. I can see your character. And it's cheap and histrionic and hysterical. They are no different, these feminists from the most reality-denying trans activists. It's exactly the same thing. After a lifetime of trying to please unpleasable feminist women, like like Mother Nature, who we opened the show with. That's an example. That's a caricatured example of the unpleasable narcissistic feminist, the unpleasable narcissistic mother. After a lifetime of trying to please these unpleasable women, starting with my own mother and continuing through most female friendships um, that I made a long time ago, up until about five years ago, I'm still trying to do the impossible. I'm still engaging with these people. I'm still responding to these women. I shouldn't do this. And I'm doing it in a way I'm, I'm pleading with unreasonable women who hold the football of mutual respect in their hand, but who pull it out of the way when I kick. They are Lucy to my Charlie Brown. This is foolish of me because I know better. Yet I still obviously have an emotional need to try to make it work, to get it right this time. This time I'll get it right. This time it'll work. This time they won't hate me. If I'm just specific enough, they'll believe me. They'll listen to me. They'll credit me when I'm doing it right. They won't. No matter what, they won't. Yes. It's an elaboration of the warped maternal dynamic from my childhood. And gentlemen, if you have this problem, you might ask yourself if something from your past might be at play for you as well. This is a problem for me to work on. And again, please try not to be like me. Because men, I see a number of you out there who are trying to do the same thing that I'm trying to do. And it's pointless. I see you being shrieked at and defamed by vicious women online who puzzlingly claim to be victims of online abuse at the same time, and that abuse is a man not agreeing with them. That's abuse. And I see you trying to please them, and I see you responding like a protector. I see you make allowances for emotional, resentful, and downright nasty behavior from women that you would never excuse or tolerate in a man, never. You'd punch his lights out. No, I'm not telling you to punch women. I am pointing out, though, the past that you give to women because they're women. You'd recognize it as what it was if it were coming from a man. But when a woman does it to you, you go the extra mile to empathize with her pain. This is masochism, and it saps our self-respect. I used to think it was only gay men, gay men like me who fell for this this hard. And gay men are much more likely to stick their hand up and say, I'm a male feminist like I used to do. But I see now how thoroughly captured straight men are, normal heterosexual straight men, by the women are wonderful effect. If you've not heard that phrase, plug it into Google. There's a psychological study you'll find interesting. Being a combatant in the so-called battle of the sexes on the side of men is the last place I thought I'd find myself in middle age. The version of me from 20 years ago would call the man I am today a misogynist pig, a Nazi, and all the histrionic things that feminists call ordinary men and are still calling me in the comments section of YouTube. But feminist is not a synonym for woman. Feminists do not speak for women in total. In fact, I'm learning they speak for a much smaller minority of women than I ever thought before. Many women are just as displeased with the feminist takeover of politics, culture, and business as any man is. Regular, normal, non-feminist women get flack, they get lied about, and they get defamation defamation from these malcontented females, and they're tired of it too. Now, there is a price to pay when you stop being Sisyphus, when you stop pushing that rock back up the hill over and over again. Every choice is a trade-off. There's no perfect solution. The price for men in this scenario is to accept that a a segment of female society is going to call you a misogynist. We are going to have our reputations made up like fiction out of whole cloth by a gangle of very angry women who need a fantasy boogeyman. Even among non-feminist women, you will often find that disagreeing with the modern notion that women are culturally and legally on the back foot will get even normal women to look at you with permanent suspicion. That is the degree to which feminism has filtered out, even among women who say they're not feminists. The ship is leaning so far out of keel that such women will even propose, even if you're a gay man, they will propose that you are likely to become a serial killer, a spree killer, a rapist, or a psychosexual murderer of women, even if you're gay. Ask me how I know. Yes, I have been so accused by women who do know that I'm gay. Yes. The price is steep, and I resent paying it. But I will pay it, because it's not as dear as the cost of my self-respect. I cannot be a good enough boy, and it's time that I stop trying. All right. We're going to close up here with a story out of, we've got a lot out of Canada lately. Ontario's schools Pulling from the library shelves, pre-2008 books, surprisingly, the Canadian broadcast company, CBC, which is Canada's version of the U.S.'s NPR, or Canada's version of uh, the U.K.'s BBC, has a surprisingly fair, good, and in-depth article about this issue. I'm going to be quoting from it a bit extensively. So, yeah, okay, so... Take a look at your screen here. This is a picture of the school district in question. Look how bare those bookshelves are. I would say it looks like only about 30% of the shelf space has books on it. When was the last time you at a library that looked like that? Want to know why? Here's the basic setup. Some school districts in the province of Ontario are pulling all books from school library shelves that were written before 2008. Yes, that wasn't a mistake. I meant what I said. They're pulling all books that were written before 2008. The schools claim that they have to do this because that's the only way they can comply with the province's equity and inclusion policies. Inclusion? They're excluding an awful lot of books, aren't they? (laughs) That's what equity means. 1984, the past never existed. You're not allowed to know that it existed and you are not allowed to propose that it existed. Make sure you don't get caught doing that. Children, especially, must be prevented from knowing that the past existed. So you can imagine how many books are caught up in this dragnet pre-2008. You know one of them? It's called The Diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. I know. If this were three years ago, you'd think I was making this up for a comedy routine. I know. I can barely believe that what I'm telling you is actually happening. It also includes the Harry Potter books, the Hunger Game books, and other titles that mean absolutely nothing to me. From the CBC article, Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, and Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. These are all examples of books Rena Takata says she can no longer find in her public school library in Mississauga, Ontario, which she visits on her lunch hour most days. In May, Takata says the shelves at Endale Secondary School were full of books, but she noticed that they had gradually started to disappear. When she returned to school this fall, things were more stark. Quote, this year, I came into my school library, and there are rows and rows of empty shelves with absolutely no books, said Takata, who started grade 10 last week. She estimates that more than 50% of her school's library books are gone. In the spring, Takata said students were told by staff that, quote, If the shelves look emptier now, it's because we have to remove all books published prior to 2008. Mm-hmm. Okay. Takata is one of several Peel District School Board students, parents and community members that CBC Toronto spoke to who are concerned about a seemingly inconsistent approach to a new equity-based book weeding process implemented by the board last spring in response to a provincial directive from the Ministry of Education. They say the new process intended to ensure library books are inclusive appears to have led some schools to remove thousands of books solely because they were published in 2008 or earlier. I'm condensing this article. I'm just giving you excerpts. The whole article is worth reading. But in a statement Wednesday, the education minister said he has written to the board immediately to end this practice. Progress. Um. Here's a quote from the education minister. Ontario is committed to ensuring that the addition of new books better reflects the rich diversity of our communities. Well, maybe he's not moving in the right direction. Ah, but then he says this. It is offensive, illogical, and counterintuitive to remove books from years past that educate students on Canada's history, anti-Semitism, or celebrated literary classics. You know what? I've got to stop there. God damn it. You people in charge here, you need to stop thinking that you're not allowed to object to this unless you give a sop to the woke. You did not have to say that, ugh, I'm so tired of this. You didn't have to cite anti-Semitism for your sentiment to have been correct, okay? The most important thing That children can learn is not racial and ethnic discrimination. That is not the only and most important subject students need to learn about. And it is not the only moral subject that you can appeal to to say, well, we have to have them here, because if we didn't, then they would not learn about anti-Semitism and racism. For God's sake, nobody shuts up about misogyny, racism, transphobia, queerphobia. Um, uh, you know, the rape and destruction of indigenous cultures, nobody shuts up. This is 24 hours a day, seven days a week in every goddamn article, every television show. Stop giving the sops. You know what? Most of this stuff isn't even real. It's not real. We don't live in a misogynist society. We do not live in a structurally racist society, not in the US, not in Canada, not in the UK, not in Australia. It's not true. It hasn't been true for a long time. (sighs) Excuse me. Temper problems this week. I'm moving house, so I'm a little bit out of sorts. (laughs) A Little bit more. (laughs) Oh yeah, this is what I wanna show you. Um, uh, Subheader in the article. School board defense process. <clears throat> CBC Toronto received a copy of the internal documents, which include frequently asked questions and answers provided to school staff by the board, and a more detailed manual for the process titled, Weeding and Audit of Resources in the Library Learning Commons Collection. The Library Learning Commons Collection. They can't just say the library. It's library Learning Commons. I wonder if it has an individualized education plan, too. (laughs) The documents lay out an equitable curation cycle. (laughs) Sounds like menstruation. For weeding, which it says was created to support Directive 18 from the Minister of Education based on a 2020 ministry review and a report on widespread issues of systematic discrimination within the school district. (laughs) They came up with a process. Would you like to, to hear about the process? It's called... (laughs) Musty. M U S <laughs> T I E. Musty. Get it? Musty, all Bucks. <laughs> Grilled Here's what it stands for. The, the, this is, you have to, they, they gave them this acronym because these people um, are, these adults, you know, need colored baby blocks to understand instructions. So they gave them a cute little acronym. Musty, this is what you use. You evaluate the books against the musty uh, progression to see if they stay. M is for misleading. Information may be factually inaccurate or obsolete. Who decides what's obsolete? They do. If they don't like it, it's obsolete. U stands for unpleasant. Refers to the physical condition of the book may require replacement. I'll give them this one. S stands for superseded, book overtaken by a new edition or a more current resource. Well, that's convenient, isn't it? Because they are editing famed child author's classic books from rolled doll. They're actually inserting woke language in the author's own voice. That's a superseding, isn't it? A more current resource. Really? T stands for trivial, of no discernible literary or scientific merit, poorly written or presented. I certainly trust them to make that decision. I stands for irrelevant, doesn't meet the needs and interests of the library's community. What are the needs and interests of these children? And how, why are we supposed to care that much about their interests? How about we, the adults, decide what their needs are like it used to be? E stands for elsewhere. The book or the material in it may be better obtained from other sources. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) <laughs> the deadline to complete the step was the end of June, according to the document. You know, where did the books go when they got rid of them? Did they sell them? I don't think they did. I can't prove it, but I don't think so. I think they pulped them. I don't think they would actually sell them because to sell them would be to further discrimination and non-inclusivity. In fact, one of the opponent organizations who's against this calls itself libraries against landfills. They don't want to see this happening. You know, it doesn't, (laughs) let me put it this way, welcome to Oceania. It doesn't matter that that's cliche. This cliche is the truth. We are in George Orwell's 1984. We can stop saying, my goodness, this is almost like 1984, or oh, it's creepy how much this seems like that fictional book. It's not like 1984. This is reality. This is happening. This is the thing itself. It's not like something else. This is the thing. We are living in 1984. Pulp the books. Strip the shelves. Stealth edit the online news articles. Scrub the incriminating social media video when the perp is caught. If anyone finds it, hit them with a fake copyright violation and boot them off YouTube. Get them off Facebook. Get YouTube, the state attorney general, or the Justice Department on the case, too. No more pondering what it would be like to live in a totalitarian state. We have no more time for this. We can stop having dorm room bullshit sessions with friends for entertainment. You and I are living in a psychopathic totalitarian state. That is the truth. It's here and it's been here for a while. It's just now showing its face without a mask. I'm not gonna draw any more parallels for you because a pre verbal toddler could see this without prompting. You can see it, I can see it, everyone can see it. What are you going to do about it?
1: As the new speak committee.
2: 3.5. Working overtime. 60%... being wasted waste an adjective.
0: Our big problem is timing the language to scientific advance. Yes. It's a beautiful thing, the destruction of words. You won't have seen the dictionary 10th edition yet, Smith. It's that thick. The 11th edition will be that
2: thick. That's where the revolution will be complete when the language is perfect
0: secrets to move from translation to direct thought to automatic response no need for self discipline language coming from here
2: excuse me for intruding but what you're saying is that we should be rid of the last vestiges of gold goldsteinism when the language has been clean i couldn't be more in agreement with you Brother.